This is the West Concord Sermon Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you receive a blessing from today's message. And this morning, we're going to continue talking about digging out, which is appropriate for the backdrop that we have here. All of Bible school is an archaeological expedition. But this morning, we're going to talk about the archaeological expedition that is our spiritual lives. We've had a lot of experience digging out this past year. We're digging out of the whole COVID thing, even with the other strain flying around. We're praying that we can stave that off. Maybe in your lives, you've been digging out from being quarantined and stuck and pushed away. We're beginning to get back to work, get back to school, get back together again. But you know what? Sometimes that digging out process is just that. It is a process. And sometimes it's not just a one-time thing. Digging out can be something that occurs quite often. Sometimes we have to dig out of school assignments when we're young. And then when we have a family, we're digging out of debt. Maybe we're moving and we're having to dig out our garage and our attic. Or maybe there are times, quite frankly, we just make a mess of things in our lives and we have to dig out. So we've been talking about digging out. We've made it a a spiritual and physical challenge to the church. And we mentioned before that sometimes we are in a pit. And let's be honest, none of us like being in the pit whatever that pit may be. And so we don't want to be in a pit physically. More importantly, we don't want to be in a pit spiritually. This morning, we're going to finish this series by looking at the process of digging out. Sometimes that process involves being thrown in a pit. And then we climb out of that pit and we're thrown in a prison. And then we climb out of that prison and maybe something grand comes. We're going to look at the life of Joseph this morning. And we're going to see that, as we mentioned last week, sometimes, or two weeks ago, sometimes the pit is necessary. Sometimes God puts us in that pit through circumstances and situations because he's trying to get our attention. And as I said before, I'll say again, I firmly believe that the whole COVID thing, you know, I can't see where these stairs are, so you may have a story to tell later on uh, if I walk around too much. Um, Sometimes the pit's necessary. I believe the COVID thing, God allowed that to happen for whatever reason. To winnow out, to clean up, to shake And maybe the personal pit that you're going through or have been gone through, God allowed it and God did it for a reason. Of course he did. Otherwise it wouldn't have happened. Speaking parabolically about the process of life, Mildred Struven kind of likens it to a clay pot versus a porcelain vase. She said a clay pot sitting in the sun will always be a clay pot. It has to go through the white heat of the furnace to, come, to become porcelain. When I was growing up, my mom and dad did ceramics. That was the big thing back in the 60s. Everybody made 
ugly ceramics. I'm sorry, but they were, okay. <laughs> my mom and dad were so fanatical about it that my dad had the ceramic oven in our kitchen. He cleared out a whole space for it. It's called a kiln. It's a big old ugly gray thing. And they would get this mud and they would pour it into molds and it was mud, but it had to go through that heating process before it came out to be what they thought was something beautiful. And that's just us. You know, we found out from Jeremiah 18 that we are nothing but clay pots. Quite literally and physically, we are made from the dust of the earth. Paul calls us earthen vessels. But in order for a clay pot to become a beauty, beautiful thing of porcelain, it has to go through the heat. And part of going through the pits and struggles of life, that's the heat. And yes, sometimes God does have to turn the heat on us a little bit. I love what Alan P. Ross, Bible scholar and theologian, said about the whole process of life. He said, the wise recognize that the Lord God is sovereign over nature and the nations. Remember, we talked about that in the God 101 series. God is sovereign. He runs it all. He rules it all. Nothing happens that he does not make or allow to happen. He is sovereign over nature and the nations, including COVID viruses, financial problems, and relational issues. It says in that he righteously orders the affairs of his people. At times, God's ways seem unfair and paradoxical. Boy, that's an understatement, isn't it? Because if you're honest with me, you'll tell me that, yes, there are times when you've gone through things in life as a believer and you think, God, why are you doing this to me? Why is this happening, Lord? I don't understand it. He says, goes on to say rather, but if endured, if these things are endured by faith, they bring blessings to the righteous. Now, either we believe that or we don't. Either that's true or it's not. When we endure and get through it, there's something better at the end. Whether ultimately it's our eternal home in heaven with him, or it's a blessing that comes out of a difficulty on this planet, who knows what that could be. But oftentimes digging out is an ongoing process, and sometimes it's over and over again. Take your Bibles and join me in the book of Genesis. Chapter 37 to begin with, we're actually going to do the Reader's Digest version of the life of Joseph this morning. Now we haven't got time to go through all 14 chapters that deal with Joseph today. But Joseph was a, was a character that God focused on, a biblical personality rather, that God focused on because his life was so full of lessons and things to learn. As a matter of fact, a pastor could spend weeks, if not months, preaching on the life of Joseph. But we don't have that time today. But we're going to see how Joseph went through this process. And if you look at Joseph's life, and I encourage you to go home and read chapters 37 through the end, chapter 50 in Genesis. Joseph's life read like the lyrics of a country and western song. Okay, He did not have an easy time of it, although he began well. If you remember the story of Joseph, he was one of the sons of Jacob who later became Israel. He was one of the tribes of Israel later on. 
And Joseph was born. He was one of the last born. And he was very loved by his father. Almost to the point where he was considered the pet. The favorite. Now you got to understand the family that he was born in was somewhat of a dysfunctional family. And let's be honest. All of us have some dysfunction going on. I see everybody looking at their husband or wife. Yeah. Okay. But this was a, this was a problematic family. And, and, and Jacob had his favorite and it was Joseph. And he wanted to show that, if you remember the story, by getting him a grand coat. The Bible says that he gave him and made him personally a coat of many colors. Interesting phrase in the Hebrew. For the many colors reference doesn't necessarily refer to the different rainbow colors of this coat. It actually, the Hebrew word for colors there speaks of its length and its width. In other words, this coat went all the way down to his hands and the palms of his hands and all the way down to the soles of his feet. And probably the idea of it being many colors comes from the fact that it was very wide and therefore when it came together, the different shades of color represented by the folds of this gigantic, massive, beautiful robe created that illusion of color. Nonetheless, it was a beautiful garment that he made just for Joseph. And of course, his brothers got jealous. I mean, some of you who are siblings of, of different guys and ladies in your families and you grew up and when, when your brother or sister got something nice and you didn't get it, wasn't that a little rough sometimes? Or how about you parents that have, that have a lot of kids and you got to make sure at birthdays and Christmases you keep everything even. That's difficult. But Joseph didn't get that. Joseph got all kinds of favor. Not only that, but Joseph had some dreams. Joseph was called the dreamer. To make a, a long story short, he dreamed dreams that put him above his family. Raised him to a place of honor above his parents and above his brothers. And man, when he communicated this and he wore this coat, his brothers didn't like it. They were jealous. They were upset. And as the story went, they decided to do something about it. So as we open the scriptures, I want you to go to, Jer uh, to Genesis chapter 37. We're going to begin in verse 18. Joseph goes out to join his brothers as they feed the flock. And they're out there working hard and they're sweating. And here comes Joseph in his beautiful, luxurious, flowing robe. And they already are mad at him. They're already angry at him. They're jealous of him. And as they see him approach, they've had enough. And look what it says in verse 18. I want you to notice the plot that they plan against him. It says in verse 18, now when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him. Now here's Joseph. He's the favorite. He's got this beautiful robe. He's got everything going for him. And yet his brothers, his own brothers are conspiring against him to kill him. They wanted to kill him. There were no just, this wasn't just a practical joke. This wasn't just get even with him, get even with him ism. This is get rid of him ism. They said to one another, look, the dreamer is coming. Come therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say, some wild beast has devoured him. And we shall all 
We shall see all what will become of his dreams. So they were going to get him. They had had enough. He was the favorite. Dad loved him better than us. Look at his fancy robe. Listen to him talk about how important he is. And we, well, we're done with it. We're going to get rid of him. And we're going to throw him in a pit. And this is what was being conspired against him. So even though his life to him seemed like it was great, things were working around him to make it bad. And that's what happens to us sometimes, isn't it? We're going along, we're minding our own business. We're doing our thing. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, something happens. All of a sudden, out of the blue, something comes up. It's either people at work, people at school, even people in our family wanting to give us a hard time, wanting to cold shoulder us. Well, in his case, they wanted to kill him. Or it seems like all nature is conspiring against us. Or circumstances. And sometimes it even seems like God is giving us the short shaft. He's conspiring against us. That's what Joseph's situation was. Had he done anything wrong? He just communicated what he dreamt. He just received the thing his father had given him. Now, he wasn't perfect. He had ratted on his brothers on some occasion earlier. But Joseph's life would change. Now, Joseph had some pity. His brother Reuben, it says in verse 21, but when Reuben heard it, he, he, he says, Reuben heard it and he delivered him out of their hands and said, let us not kill him. So they get Joseph and Reuben, his older brother, says, no, 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 wait a minute, let him go, let him go. Let's not kill him. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, but cast him into the pit, which is in the wilderness, and do not lay a hand on him. So, oh, he was okay with casting him into the pit, but he didn't want to kill him. Because Reuben's plan was this, that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him to his father. So Reuben had sympathy for Joseph. Reuben wasn't thrilled with him, but Reuben had pity on him. And you know, when we're going through difficulty, there's oftentimes somebody out there that does feel bad for us. They want to try to help. And Reuben wanted to try to help. And boy, that's refreshing sometimes. But even in that case, the help is not enough. So what did they do? They threw him in the pit. Let's look at the pit trapping Joseph. So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic. I bet they really hated that thing. The tunic of many colors that was on him. Then they put, took him and cast him into a pit. And the pit was empty and there was no water in it. It was just a deep, dank, dry pit. And there's where he was. He went from being the prize and the pet to being thrown into a pit. Life does that sometimes. Our whole world was thrown into a pit this last year. We were allowed to go into that pit. But now, Lord willing, we're climbing up. But listen, understand this. We might be climbing out of that pit. But as we're going to see in a minute, there might be other challenges coming. But this pit, there was no water in it, so he didn't drown. This pit, there was nothing in it. He couldn't climb up. He was stuck there. So his brothers, to make the story continue, sat down to eat their lunch. And as they were eating their lunch, and Reuben was thinking about how he could deliver him, some uh, Arab uh, 
business people came by, some Arabs came by, and they sold Joseph into their care because they had a little remorse. Reuben kind of touched their heart. And they'll say they pulled Joseph out of the pit and said, look, you want to buy him? You can, you can take him and he can be a slave. So they bought him and he was enslaved. So yeah, he came out of the pit. Yay. And then he was sold into slavery. So, you know, we come out of one problem and it seems like sometimes there's just another one around the corner. And that's the nature of life. Why is life that way? Because God's mean. No. Because we live in a broken, fallen, cruel world. When Adam and Eve ate of the garden, they ate of the fruit, and they catapulted humanity into sin and condemnation. Not only did humanity suffer for that, but the whole natural world suffered for it. Not only do we have personal calamities, where we have crime and injustice, we have that all around us, caused by people, but there are also natural calamities. Earthquakes, hurricanes, fires. The whole world is corrupt and condemned. And we struggle and suffer because of that. And the reality is God does love us. But he allows us to go through these things for his purposes, as we will see. So here he is, minding his own business, thrown in a pit. Even though there was somebody who had pity on him, yep, they didn't kill him, but they sold him into slavery. And that takes us to our next point. Because he went from a pit, yoo-hoo, into a prison. You ever feel like that? Sometimes you get over one thing and there's another thing. Seems like you get over one sickness and another sickness comes along. Seems like you get one debt taken care of and your car breaks down. It seems like you get one of your children pretty much on course and the other one acts up. Ah, I hear parents out there. Yeah. It seems like there's one thing after another. Well, that happened to Joseph. He went from a pit and then he was thrust into prison. As we continue, take your Bibles and join me over in the next passage, as you have it in your bulletin there. Chapter 39, we're going to pick it up in verse 20. So they sell jo Joseph to these Arab pre, uh, uh, businessmen, and they're traveling about, and they sell Joseph to, to an Egyptian, to a man named Potiphar, who is a high-placed individual in the court of Egypt. And Joseph becomes Potiphar's servant. Now, if you go back and read these passages on your own, you'll see that Joseph, evidently the whole pit situation, got his attention. Because as I said earlier, Joseph was not a perfect guy. Even though his father loved him and lifted him up, Joseph was, was sometimes a bit of a pain in the neck to his brothers. They had done something wrong. He ratted them out. He, he, he squealed on them and got, in trouble, got them in trouble. So he wasn't perfect either. But the pit got Joseph's attention. And he was sold into slavery and he was taken away. And the brothers found him gone and, and said, oh my goodness, dad's going to be mad at us. So here's what we'll do. We'll kill an animal, put its blood on his little fancy coat here, give it to dad and say, look, he was eaten by an animal. Typical kids, who did this? Not me. 
And so here Jacob is grieving and sorrowing and Joseph is being carried away into slavery and he goes to Egypt, works for this man. Well, you know the story. Because Joseph began to be faithful to God and began to honor God, he was raised up in Potiphar's household to the point where Joseph became the head man in Potiphar's household. Potiphar, the Egyptian prelate, trusted Joseph with his home, trusted Joseph with governing his estate, trusted Joseph probably even with his financial affairs. But Potiphar had a wife, and evidently Joseph was a good-looking guy. And Potiphar's wife said, hey, Joseph, why don't you and I get together? Come be with me. Joseph said, no, you're someone else's wife. I'm not going to go against my master. And even Joseph said, I will not sin against God. Yet she was persistent. She was after him and after him and after him. The Bible says over and over, she said, come lie with me. And Joseph kept saying, no. Until finally, she just got tired of it. She grabbed a hold of him and said, now. And Joseph said, no, I will not sin against God. His faithfulness won out. And Joseph got loose from her and ran, but he left his garment in her hand. And so she started screaming and hollering and got the guard and said, he tried to rape me. He tried to take advantage of me. And so they took Joseph to Potiphar and Potiphar was not happy. Now nothing happened. Joseph was a man of God. He, he got in trouble standing up for right and righteousness. And don't you experience that sometimes? Sometimes you get in trouble even if you do something right. Even if you do the right thing, even if you do the good thing, even if you do the kind thing, you can get in trouble. You just never know. Well, he did that and he still got in trouble. Look at verse 20 of chapter 39. It says, then Joseph's master took him and put him into prison. The word prison there in Hebrew is dungeon. Literally a round shaped room. A place where the king's prisoners were confined and he was there in the prison. So here's this guy, Joseph. He's thrown in a pit, but he's taken out. He thinks as they're pulling him out, everything's going to be okay. He got out of the pit, but he was sold into slavery. While he was in slavery, his faithfulness with God and to God caused him to rise in the ranks and he was doing well. And then he was falsely accused of a crime and thrown into prison. Man, it's like a country song over and over again. If it would have been 1986, Joseph would have lost his, his trailer, his dog, and his wife. <laughs> and so here he is languishing in prison because of Potiphar's fury. He was upset with him and the Pharaoh was upset with him. How dare you do damage to one of my great men? But I want you to notice the very next verse, verse 21. Here's that wonderful biblical word, but. That is one of the most, and I tell you, even in my Bible, I have it specially highlighted, three words, but. But God, notice what it says in verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph. Oh, what a sweet, sweet statement. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. You know what mercy is? Not getting what you deserve. But in this case, what did, what did he deserve? 
It says, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. You know, Joseph gets, get, keeps getting knocked down, but because of his faith in God, what happens? He keeps getting up. He crawled out of the pit, got sold into slavery. He got thrown in the prison, but each time he came out of the pit, he became a high official, and now he is being appreciated by the captain of the guard. Joseph just keeps getting back up again. Do you see the process we're opening up here? Do you see what's going on here? Yes, Joseph had an amazing life. Joseph can be considered a biblical hero. Even though, yes, he wasn't perfect. And no, his life was not perfect at all. I mean, how many of us would want to live this life? We think of all these biblical personalities as being all these perfect, diaphanous, spiritual giants. The reality is they were people that struggled with pits and prisons just like we do. So Joseph was thrown in the prison, but God was with him. God showed him favor and mercy. God worked in his life. Why? Because Joseph, in the midst of his difficulty, was faithful to God. Joseph could have sinned with Potiphar's wife, but he didn't. Why? Because he didn't want to sin against God. Joseph could have rebelled and ran away as a slave, but he didn't because he was, he was where God in his mind, where God wanted him to be. And because he was faithful, God kept lifting him up and raising him up. But here he is thrown in prison, but yet God was still honoring him and still showed him favor. So then goes on, the story tells us that Joseph made friends while he was in prison with a butler and a baker. You know the story. A butler in biblical times in Egypt was uh, the actual Hebrew word there means cup bearer. In other words, when the king wanted wine, when the king wanted refreshment, the pharaoh wanted something to drink, the butler would bear the cup and bring it to him. And the butler would take the first sip out of the cup in case it was poisoned. So it was not just he was the man about town butler. No, no, it was a very dangerous job because if somebody wanted to get rid of the king, Joseph would be gone first. So he had the butler and he had the baker in there and Joseph was getting to know them and working with them and they both had dreams. Long story short, you can read about them. Joseph interpreted their dreams through the power of God, by the Spirit of God, and the dreams came true. The butler was restored because he had a dream of being restored. The baker was hanged because he had a dream of being hanged. And when the Pharaoh had dreams, the king of Egypt had dreams, he couldn't figure them out, couldn't understand them. He said, my magicians can't interpret them. My sorcerers can't. My soothsayers can't. And somebody said, hey, there's this kid in prison. And he interpreted these dreams and, and the butler was restored. And the butler said, yeah, I knew him. I had a dream and he dreamed that I would be restored. And here I am, Pharaoh said, go get him. Go get him. So Joseph is now taken out of the prison and brought to Pharaoh. And he reports to Pharaoh, and you can read about the dreams and their content on your own in the preceding chapters. And Joseph hears the dreams and interprets the dreams. Basically, these dreams talk about seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. And then Joseph suggests a way to stave off the famine, to stockpile food stores so Egypt can get through the famine. And the Pharaoh was impressed with him. 
The Pharaoh was impressed with Joseph. And how did Joseph do that? Because Joseph had the Spirit of God working in his life. So let's look at this. He went from a pit. He was thrust into a pit, then thrust into a prison. But then finally, notice at last, he was raised to prime minister. He was raised to prime minister. Why? Well, first of all, because the Pharaoh and the Egyptians recognized God's man. Look what he says as we pick it up in uh, chapter 41, beginning in verse 37. Joseph had given Pharaoh this advice about this coming famine. So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one as this? Now notice this next statement. A man in whom is the spirit of God. Joseph rose and began to rise and Pharaoh recognized that God was in Joseph and with Joseph. It wasn't because Joseph wore any spiritual jewelry. It wasn't because Joseph virtue signaled spiritual platitudes on social Egyptian media, whatever that would look like. It wasn't Joseph because he said such great things or he preached such great messages. God's presence was evident in Joseph's life. And God enabled Joseph to use what he had to honor him and to serve him. And God, because of Joseph's faithfulness, lifted him out of that prison to the recognition of Pharaoh. He noticed God's man. So I wonder this morning, as we go through the pits and prisons of life, are we doing so with faithfulness to God? And as you go through these things, I wonder this too, can people see the spirit and presence of God in our lives? Because oftentimes it's easy to be defeated by those pits and by those prisons. It's easy to be defined by those things. We become known as this or that because of what we're going through. It's easy to allow our handicaps and heartaches and hardships in this victim-based society to be the label that we wear. But God allows the pits and God allows the prisons so that he might shape us and mold us. He took Joseph from being a self-absorbed, pampered kid to a man who is doing God's work for God's glory. But he had to use a pit and he had to use a prison to get him there. And that's what I'm saying about the whole COVID thing as we dig out or whatever you've gone through or maybe are going through. Here's the thing. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you are a Christian and you know Christ as your savior, that relationship with him, while precious, wonderful and eternal, does not necessarily shield us from the difficulties of this life. As a matter of fact, in some instances, if you take stands for Christ, you're going to get in more trouble. I think of our brothers and sisters overseas in these communist countries and in these Muslim countries where standing up for Jesus Christ, simply preaching the gospel or handing out a gospel tract could get you thrown in prison, could get you and your family beaten and harmed and maybe even killed. 
Yes, sometimes being a Christian, no, it doesn't mean a free ticket to prosperity and perfection. Sometimes it's, it means a more difficult life. Even Paul said, yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And yes, we can ask why. There's nothing wrong with asking why. Habakkuk asked why. He wrote a whole book about it in the Old Testament. As long as we seek the answers from God. I'm sure Joseph, as he was sitting in the pit, bruised and scratched up from the, from the hard surface, surface, I'm sure Joseph sat down there and said, Lord, why? Everything was great. Dad loved me. And then when he was pulled out of the pit, he probably said, oh, thank you. And then I'm sold into slavery. Why? Then he got into Potiphar's house and things began to look good, but he was charged falsely with a crime he didn't commit. Why? Why? Thrown into prison. But God never gave up on him. And then thank heaven, Joseph didn't give up on God. And at this point, Pharaoh and his household recognized God's man. But not only this, we see the recognition of the man's God as it continues on. Verse 39, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, insomuch as God has shown all of this to you. Even Pharaoh glorified God through Joseph. Not only did he recognize God's man, but he recognized the God in the man. He recognized the man's God. You know, you know, when you and I go through things and how we respond to react to it, as we walk in our faith and as we cling to God, people around us see it. You and I never know that we might be missionaries in the country of pain. And I have seen over the years many people won to Christ through the death of someone or through the difficulty of someone. I've seen people come to a deeper relationship, Christians to a deeper walk because a brother and sister in Christ has suffered and they watch them suffer graciously. They watch them suffer in a godly way and it challenged them and encouraged them. As we've con gone through COVID and come through this difficulty and maybe facing with this variant, more of this stuff, we can either turn our backs and walk away and huddle in our own, little, uh, our own little place or we can give glory to God and suffer graciously, suffer giving God the glory. And who are, is our ultimate pattern? Jesus Christ, who the night before sat in the garden and said, Lord, let this cup pass from me. Jesus wasn't excited about the suffering of the cross. But what was his very next statement? Anybody know? Nevertheless. Not my will, but your will be done. And our Lord suffered the ignominy and the humility of the cross, the agony and the nails and, and the beatings and the death. But he was faithful. As a matter of fact, it was his faithfulness that put him on the cross. It was Joseph's faithfulness once he got through the pit that put him in prison. But it was Joseph's faithfulness that raised him to prime minister and the Pharaoh again. Insomuch as God has shown you this, uh, shown this to you, there is no one as discerning and as wise as you. And notice what happens. You shall be over my house. 
Before he was just over Potiphar's house. Now this is the king of Egypt, one of the great empires of the ancient world. He says, you shall be over my house and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh raised him to prime minister of Egypt. He was in second command under the great Pharaoh himself. Besides Pharaoh, there was no one more powerful than Joseph. No one had more authority than Joseph. All because Pharaoh had recognized a godly man. And he had recognized this man's God. Goes on to say in verse 42, Then Pharaoh took out a signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. And he clothed him in a garment of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. This was a signet of Egyptian royalty. That word chain literally means a golden collar. And he had him ride in the second chariot, which he had, and they cried before him, bow the knee. So he set him over all the land of Egypt. You remember this kid, Joseph, had these dreams. He said, one day I'm going to be Special. One day I'm going to be honored. He even told his brothers and his parents, one day you will bow to me. And if you read the rest of the story on your own, sure enough, because that famine finally hit the land, but because of Joseph's good planning, Egypt had enough. And Joseph, then his family, his brothers and his father, not knowing that Joseph was the prime minister, why they thought Joseph was still being dragged around by the Arabs. They go to Egypt seeking help. And they go before the court, and there on the, on, the, on the throne of the prime minister sits Joseph, Jacob's son, Reuben and Judah's brother. And they felt so much remorse and so much sadness that they had done what they had done. And they said, surely he's not going to help us. Surely he's going to get even with us for what we did to him. And you know what? You wonder, would Joseph not be right in doing that? Would that not be some kind of justice? But that's not grace. Joseph showed them grace. In chapter 50, you're not have to look there, but you read them on your own. In chapter 50, toward the end, it says this. Joseph said to them, his brothers and father, do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? What did Joseph mean by that? He meant even though I was thrown in a prison, even though I spent time in a pit, even though people were mean to me, ugly to me, hateful to me, wanted to kill me, he said, I am not in the place of God to judge. I am not going to get even. What does it say in the book of Romans? Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. He said, I'm not God. He showed them grace. He goes on to say, but as for you, you meant it for evil against me. Oh, it wasn't lost on him. But notice what he says next. But God meant it for good. In order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. A pit, a prison, slavery, false charges, heartache, difficulty. God allowed it. God caused it. The brothers meant it for evil, but God allowed it because God had a plan. God meant it for good to save the nation of Israel. I, I don't specifically know exactly why we've gone through the season we've gone through. 
I don't know why you've gone through difficulties. Some of you have been very sick. Some of you have lost loved ones. Some of you have had financial struggles, family struggles. I, I, I don't know the specific reasons. We've all endured not only collective suffering, but individual suffering. Even the church of Jesus Christ in America has suffered and still struggles. There's a church today in Concord that's still closed down because of COVID. Just found out that yesterday. I don't know why these things happen, but I knew that, know that even though somebody else might have meant it for evil or evil things might have happened, God allows it because God means it for good. God means it for good. I close this verse with you, and this is a familiar verse. And, and this is our meme verse. We like to stick it on Facebook and Instagram. We like to wear it on T-shirts, and we like to regurgitate it every time somebody around us is complaining or struggling. And we don't really understand this verse to do that. And that's Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It says, And we know all things work together for good to those who love the Lord. And people will say, See, it's all going to be good. All things work, you know, and you know that, that annoying person when you have a flat tire and you're mad and you come in late and you drag and it's been raining and you're wet and you're greasy and you're tired and there's that perky little person that says, well, brother, all things work together to good to them that love the Lord and you just want to haul off and backhand them. <laughs> and you want to look at them and say, all things aren't good right now. They're hard. A flat tire in a rainy day is just a minor thing. Some of, some of you have been through such hardship and difficulty. But notice it doesn't say all things are good. Okay. It doesn't say all things are good. It says all things are meant and work together for good. Some of those things are very bad things. Some of those things are very difficult things. Some of those things are very hard some of those things are cr crushing. But we learn from Joseph that when we're faithful with God, we can climb out of that pit that we've been thrust in. We can be released from that prison we've been thrown in. And no, I'm not going to stand here today and say you're going to be prime minister of anything or that you're going to be perfect. And that. No, that's the health and wealth gospel. We're not into that. But what I will say is that if you and I remain faithful during those pit and prison experiences, we can be impactful as Joseph was impactful. You meant it for evil, he said, but God meant it for good so that lives could be saved. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're dealing with or going to face or have faced, God allowed it. All things, including the difficult, work together for good. Because what you're going through, somebody might be saved. Because of what you're going through, somebody might be encouraged. Because somebody might be desirous not to give up because of what you faced and didn't give up. Your faithfulness in God is what is going to do the thing. So no, you're not going to be the prime minister of America. You're not going to be the governor of North Carolina, the mayor of Concord. But you will have an impact eternally as Joseph did. His circumstances are different than yours and mine. But the results and the, and the process is still the same. Joseph had an amazing impact on his family and on his nation. You and I can have an impact on our families and yes, on our nation.
If we keep climbing out of the pit by being faithful to God, if we keep dealing with the prison and, and, and the shackling episodes in our life as, our, as we stand for God, if we keep pushing and going, listen, West Concord Baptist Church, we've been through a difficult season, but bless God, here we are this morning. We're getting ready to have vacation Bible school. And if we all get on board and forget our problems and forget our selfishness and get out of here, we can have an amazing impact on Cabarrus County. Isn't it amazing how, how that works? God is so good. Life is difficult. And problems are going to come. Pits are going to be there. You're going to fall in them. Somebody might push you in them. You might become imprisoned to your sin, imprisoned to your selfishness, imprisoned to somebody else's anger. But keep faithful to God. Walk with Him. Seek His face. Honor Him in your decisions. And God will honor you. I don't know how that will work out in your circumstances. I'm not promising you a thing other than God will be faithful if you're faithful. And if you continue faithfulness, if you continue digging out with faith in God, you will impact somebody in a good way. You will impact family members. You will impact friends. You may impact your community. That's what we need to do through this difficult season. We're digging out. Let's keep digging out. Let's keep being faithful. Let's honor God. And let's learn the the lessons of Joseph. We may be faced with a pit. We may be faced with a prison. But God can raise us up to be impactful as he was as prime minister. For additional sermon resources and to find out who we are, visit us online at westconcordchurch.com. Thanks for listening.